Hey friends, you're listening to Go Home Bob or You're Drunk, an irreverent media podcast. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change, it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground, and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, and if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Hey everybody, welcome to Go Home Bobby or Drunk, the podcast where we talk about the Bible and what's going on in the world. And we we drink, we laugh. We haven't cried yet, but it's getting close. We're there time is running out. Time is running out. <laughs> My name is Justin. I'm a seminarian, former pastor, former evangelical person, ex-evangelical, if you will. And I am joined by my lovely co-host from across the coast. Yes. Hi, I'm Tori, also former evangelical and former semi-professional Christian. And um, I'm just liking, enjoying, exploring how very strange the Bible is if you take it literally. So mm-hmm. that's why we're here today. Yep. That's why we're here. But we wanted to talk a little bit about a subject that's near and dear to my heart. And that is the subject of, of straight white men. Me. Some things have come to light. What yeah. is that quote? Some yeah. shit has come to light. Some shit has come to light. <laughs> um, for those of you that have just been following my silky voice, and you may not know that I, I am a straight white man, a recovering straight white man, possibly. Try as I might, I cannot cease to be a straight white man. But we are not okay. I'm just going to say that the straight whites are not okay. And it feels like this week in the internet, I don't know, it just felt like we were out in force as you do, like with Roe v. Wade and all that going on. There's just a lot of, a lot of hot takes and we're not going to go over those hot takes. We, I think we've covered Roe v. Wade enough, at least for now, but old, old, our old friend, Marky McDriscoll, as I, as I call him. That's incredible. Uh, he's on the speaking circuit now and he had a lot of things to say about, about sex and sexuality I, you know as he does he's not the one sex obsessed by the way right we're the ones obsessed with sex he's the one that just talks about it all the time mm-hmm. yeah got it tracking and let me just i'm gonna just give you some uncut gems from oh. from this from this oh mess oh okay you know, so you know today sex is a religion and that religion is opposed to christianity and you know and, you know, it has many denominations. They start with LGBTQIA because, you know, everything that's not Christianity is a religion, too. And, it's you know, they rec- you know, and they recruit people, you know, for their children's ministries, you know, and it just it just very much framed these things really weird. There was like some tweet that was like cribbing from him that talked about like 
how, you know, sacraments, you know, of the LGBTQ church is coming out and the communion is STDs apparently and porn is the curriculum and they're partnered with Disney to. to okay. That one is played with the fuck out. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like my parents were boycotting Disney in the nineties. Just drop the Disney thing. You guys like find something new. And Bill Gates too, apparently is in on it. That one's in the see, there you go. Being original also from Bill oh, Gates. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not going to take it all for, I'm not going to go over all of it, but it's just, it's been a thing. And yeah, the straights are really struggling this week. Really struggling. Yeah. Things are bad. Things are not going well. Straights still. I feel like we're getting dumber. I mean, you're self imploding, which is pretty fucking funny. Like, I mean, with all due respect, it's really funny, but it's also it's also terrifying i was listening to a podcast uh probably it was probably a month ago at this point live like the world is dying and i cannot remember if it was margaret or the guest that she had on on the show but one of them made this point talking about like the suburbs versus like 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 the sticks like rural america and said because they were talking about like people who like live out and have to kind of depend on each other like the government isn't providing a bunch of services and resources and whatever that, that dynamic for cons- like claiming to be conservative in that space is very different than like if you live in the burbs and you have all this shit just sort of handed to you, right? Because you're the people with like the money. So you're the ones who get to send your kids to a school where they can actually learn a thing. But so anyway, talking about that, that particular context, it was pointed out on her show when people are losing power, that is when they're at their most volatile. And I feel like this is what is happening with the straights this week is when you're losing power, you freak the fuck out because I say this, I know I say this all the time. I'm sorry for harping on it, but it's true. Like your nervous system does not know the difference between privilege and safety. Like it, it thinks that your privilege is what is keeping you from experiencing harm, which is not actually wrong, but it also like warps your idea of what harm is. You know, it like it makes it so that other people's existence is harmful to you. Yeah, there was a survey. I uh, shoot, I, forget, I don't think it was Barna. Uh, it was a survey done in Texas. Um, oh, it was one of the Christian ones. Yeah, you may you may have even sent it to me. I just it, I've seen it, I saw it go around, and it was this survey. And the majority of white Christians in Texas believed that Christians were the most persecuted group in the United States, which is absurd on its face, but I was thinking about it and, and I, you know, as I was thinking about it, I was like, well, it kind of makes a little bit of sense why they act the way they do when other marginalized groups talk about their suffering. Cause they're like, well, we're the most, we suffer the most and we're doing okay. So you, what's your problem? What's your problem? You know, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you know, like you don't have it as bad as we do and we're doing okay. So it must just mean you're lazy, which, which is absurd logic, but it does make a certain sense when your framework is in that context. Yeah. I am the worst off in this country. I'm not getting any special treatment anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Except for the special treatment that I give everyone who looks like me and the special treatment that I've gotten in this country for the last 400 years. Well, I've never, never get over Michael Che, who I understand is problematic saying like, what is with white? Poor people, like, how do you blow a 400 year head start? <laughs> Fucking incredible. Like, yeah. that is like, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. 
that's that's pretty great. Yeah, I just it, it it is a dissolution of power, and it's actually been interesting. Like, and it could just be the algorithmic bubble I am in. I I very well can see that. I actually haven't seen as much celebrating of this potential leak of the Roe v. Wade documents. It's mostly just been alarms on the left and mostly like people wanting to investigate the leak on the right. I haven't seen as much as much as much as I expected, I should say, of them celebrating that like, hey, like we're finally going to win, which which is interesting to me. Again, it could just be the corners of the Internet I'm on. But I have seen these weird meltdowns over sex and sexuality quite frequently and even like fumbling over themselves when it comes to like basic anatomy you know when it like the whole well that we right currently right now have a formula shortage in the united states and like the conservative recipe for you know prescription for that as well just breastfeed okay okay which you know i could understand a like single dude in their 20s having that take fair yeah yeah that's fair well i don't even know that i understand it but i can conceptualize it but like if you were married to someone who is given birth and has breasts yeah and right. have and have a thimble full of not even empathy observational skills you understand that this is not easy if you have paid any attention at all which i'm willing to wager people like mark driscoll do not do. If I had to guess. Probably fair. I mean, like part of the reason that I say that is because he does, I mean, he talks about the fact that he bullied his wife into having another child after she didn't want to anymore because your risk when you have C-sections like exponentially increases after four, three or four deliveries via C-section. And he was like, well, I'm not done and got her pregnant. So that's why I'm saying that it's not without basis. Yeah. That's pretty awful. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, I, I don't understand how these people still have platforms, honestly. Well, I mean, I think it, it is. It's all these people who were terrified that they're like losing their position, right? And it's like, I was told that I, I, as a straight white dude, inherit the earth. And I don't even, I just have to show up. And they just give that shit to you for free. And I was like, wait, why are there, why are there, why are there other people like in the line? This isn't, this isn't cool. I did not agree to this. So it's just like disempowering as many people as possible, as quickly as possible, because yeah, like losing power is terrifying. Like your nervous system legitimately views that as a threat. And I, I, you know, it's something that I think about rather frequently. I'm like acknowledging that I'm weird in many ways, but it's like our standard of living in the U S like what we consider normal or average is ridiculous. Like it is not like it is so beyond excessive and you know, we still are like, I'm so poor or whatever. Right. Cause it's like, you can't, you know, if you can't keep up with whoever the Joneses, the Kardashians, whatever your tax bracket is, then yeah, it, it's really ridiculous. The way that we have this like manufactured sort of what's the term I'm thinking of. I don't know. Why is this not coming back to me? But this is like this scarcity. Scarcity. Yes. This manufactured scarcity, right? That like objectively does not exist. (laughs) And people are just like, oh my God. Oh my God. Well, if I'm if I'm not being given everything, if I'm not being handed everything without having to really work for it. And and the idea is like a lot of people absolutely did work for what they had, right? But at the end of the day, like if the thing that you were able to use to like produce 
the standard of living that you have is something that was stolen, which is objectively true for every white person in this country. If you were able to like produce a thing, it was stolen. That's at the end. Yeah. You're going to, you know, you're going to freak out, but it doesn't, you know, correcting that inequity is not, it's, that's not going, that's not harm. You losing something that you stole or that your ancestors stole isn't actually, isn't actually harm. Right. I mean, I would, I think that you could argue that like going like way back in time and being like every person who is every person who's died between like 1863 and whenever. Right. But it's like, okay, we have to, we have to like shuffle some stuff around here and like, we're all going to be okay. Like nobody's going to suffer. Like actually there will be less suffering, but like, cause we, we, there is enough and we have to stop pretending like there's not. And I think that like, yeah, when you lose control of that narrative, when you realize people are starting to see that like, oh yeah, a lot of the stuff that I have was given to me or I quote unquote earned unjustly. Yeah. That's pretty scary. You know, you might start thinking about like how safe you actually are in the world. And that's, I think that's why there's, there's, there is a psychological resistance. Like I, I remember waking up to a lot of that and honestly it was in seminary. I, I will say like my, my first rural exposure to that was in seminary because we had a I had a class taught by a professor who was oh shoot I'm gonna feel really bad he was half Honduran or half Guatemalan I cannot remember which one that I I'm those sorry are probably that. constructs made up by white people so it's probably fine go probably. on Central American of some kind um yes. and anyway he wrote a book called Christians at the at the border and essentially, you know, talking about the history of immigration in the United States and making the case that like most of the people coming in here are Christian and realistically just saying like the reasons people cross the border illegally are not the narrative that a lot of people say it is. And what is, what is something that a Christ, someone who says they follow Christ, what is their role at the border? Which, you know, his, his interpretation was like, you're supposed to help these people. I remember really struggling with that as like a Rush Limbaugh acolyte coming to seminary. You know, oh no. But also, I I feel like that was definitely a a moment for me to really sit and wrestle with that. Was like, oh, okay, this is I'm I've not been thinking about this well. And I remember there being a lot of resistance. There were I remember when I first reviewed that book, like we had to we had to read the book, and then we had to like kind of write our kind of like review or do a report on it or something. It was a pretty scathing review of that book, like. Okay. Um, I wish I still had Justin. it. Like, yeah, I, I wish I still had it. But it was like it worked on me for a long time. And it, you know, by the time I graduated, yeah. I was like, Yeah, okay, this That's a is good point. This That's is a good point. Um, I, I'm in full agreement with this book. You know, by the end, by the time I graduated, this so seminary radicalized me. It's actually one of the few seminary books I've kept, not because I want to reread it, but it's just kind of like a memento of like this this moment where I had my little earth shattered. But I think that that's the process that we have to go through, but you get angry and you get upset and you get, you know, not violent, violent if you're well adjusted, but you get like verbally and just like, I, I remember that anger. Like I, and that my experience of seminary was one of having a lot of that unresolved anger because I'm, you are facing existential threat with everything you've been taught. And it's a process that, you have like I think white folks have to go through. It's just that is to me that is the work. Oh my, oh my god, I'm gonna make a terrible pun. The white man's burden. Um, 
Um, no, <laughs> stop. <laughs> but I do think when you hit those moments, there are options. And the one option is the option that I took. And that's not even to like say I'm some great person. It just, it, it, I happen to be like, okay, that did break something in me. And I became more empathetic, more compassionate, more kind, more expansive in my understanding of the world. But I do think like, I think I'm sure people like Mark Driscoll have also hit that same wall and bounced right off of going. it. <laughs> and, and hardened their position the other way. And I think it, I think it's, you know, my responsibility as, as a white person that has gone through that to figure out ways to communicate that to other white folks and to like, and, and it's, it sounds like coddling, but like hold their hand through this existential crisis of like, it's okay if you lose your privilege. It really, but honestly, like it really is that, like, I know that that's kind of a shitty thing to say, and this is not at all to like put the burden of doing that particular work on, 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 you know, people of color or, oh, no. or minor, no. minoritized genders or anything like that. But like, yeah, I, I think that there is like, somebody has to do that. Right. Like somebody has to like, if you're going to get out of that shit, like somebody has to hold your hand and be like, Hey, so, uh, we don't sexually harass people, right? <laughs> Other people's bodies matter and like their experiences matter. Yeah. I mean, that like, that is a, that is a real thing. That is real work that has to be done under no circumstances should people of color or women or non-binary people or anyone who has like, is experiencing like a minoritized gender. Like none of those people should have anything to do with that work, but it is work that needs to be done nonetheless. Yeah. And, that, and that's why I say my responsibility as, as a, as a white bodied person that is, that is male to be like, Hey, other dudes, like right. being LGBTQ is not a religion. <laughs> it's a relationship. Um, Damn. <laughs> that was um, amazing. Uh, yeah. I mean, and, and to, and to stick your head out and take some of those hits within reason too, of course, right, I, totally, you, know, totally. you, you also have a nervous system. Yeah. Like, but I think having having gone through that experience myself and the the weird, unique experience of and I, I don't say this as like poor white person. I'm just saying the weird, unique experience of being born into privilege, realizing you have privilege and trying to backtrack that privilege is a weird experience. Yeah, I would I would I would say that qualifies as a mind fuck. Frankly, yeah, that is a mind fuck because it's like. The entirety. I mean, it's 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 a mindfuck in the same way that like leaving evangelicalism is. Frankly, this is like, oh my. Okay, so the, you're saying like, there's a potential that there's nobody out there who's going to do jack shit for any of us, right? Like that is that is like it's an existential crisis, and I think that that needs to be like acknowledged. I don't, you know, I don't think that acknowledgement and like coercion or like expecting labor from, from people who don't owe that to you. Like, I, 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 you know, I don't think those are the same thing. It definitely does need to be done because just, that's just how nervous systems work. You're not really going to scream somebody into your corner, right? It's like, you can, you can use coercion and force and violence, or you can actually like engage with people in like a pro social manner that produces results that you actually want to see like over the long term. And those those are really our options as human beings. All right. Well I think I think we've covered it. I think I think we've solved that problem for sure. <laughs> totally <laughs> solved it. We're going to take a quick break for some capitalism 
And then we'll get back and we'll get into our Bible stories for the day, which is Jesus, you know, Jesus messing, messing with folk. Messing with power, fucking around. Yeah. And and finding out. Unfortunately, finding Unfortunately, out. But really uh, hard. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna see how he fucked around. And uh yeah, we'll be back. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Hey, everybody, we are back. Thanks for tolerating capitalism with the rest of us. <laughs> fellow workers, fellow comrades. Yes, comrades. <laughs> Speaking of, of, of capital and wealth redistribution, we have a new patron. Yes, we do. Who gets a life verse. And um, yeah, Peter, Peter is, is their name. And they are an apostle in our church. So hot damn. I think that that means that anything that they say that the Holy Spirit has told them, we either have to do it or we drop dead. Yeah, I think so. That is, I that believe is that is the rules. I, they should be giving us a life verse. I. <laughs> I read the manual. I know how this works. Yes. Yeah. So if they're an apostle and we lie to them, we die or something. On the spot. <laughs> On the spot. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. Well, we're, we're going to like life verse it up as we are want to do because the Holy Spirit sometimes, apparently I'm told, still speaks through the word of God. Question mark. Mm -hmm. Depends on your denomination. The Holy Spirit. She, she still speaks. When she's not busy doing other stuff. Yeah. What is happening? Okay, so this is uh, Amos 4, verse 12. Wow, this is, okay. Therefore, thus I will do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you, prepare to meet your God, O Israel. Oh. You are going to get stuff done to you, sir. Yeah. Prepare to meet. <laughs> that, is, that is a threat. Yeah, that was a threat. But, but you're an apostle, so that, that kind of stuff bounces off you. So mm, good point. Good point. Yeah. You can just clap back, clap back, just clap right on back at God. <laughs> like, no, you meet me. I make the rules around here, bitch. Listen up. Oh my gosh. So thank yeah. you. Thank you so, so much. much. Greatly appreciated. We also have some other patrony adjacent news. Yes. Uh, patrony adjacent news. First off, we have our patron goal of making a pilgrimage, if you will to oh, yes. Antonin Scalia's grave. So if we, I'm dying. yes, if we get, if we get 50 patrons, so I think last week when? I said 50 more, when we get 50, when patrons, we get 50 patrons, when we get 50 patrons. So it shouldn't be too hard at this point. We will make a pilgrimage to Antonin Scalia's grave and maybe a plantation or two as well, since we'll be in that neighborhood. <laughs> um, it's like slavery and racist, yes. and all the monuments to yes, those things thereof um so <laughs> we'll do some light reparations uh yeah and make fun of a lot of white evangelicals because that's literally where they get all of their theology yes 
Uh, for sure. So if we get if we get 50 patrons, that's that is what will happen. I am absolutely springing this on Justin right now, but like we can also do a patron hangout in oh, Washington sure. DC. Oh, for sure. Once we hit this goal. Yeah. So, there's also that. And it will be easier to do a patron hangout. Let's see, uh, we're just we're just passing this ball back and forth. It'll be easier to do a patron hangout because what we're going to be doing as a patron benefit, we are going to be launching a Discord exclusive to patrons for go home Bible, you're drunk. That's going to be next month. I don't have a date for that yet because I have ADHD, but so you'll next get month, it when you get it, you'll get it when you get it. Yes. Um, <laughs> so that'll be, that'll be coming next month. Tori and I we wanted ways to connect with you and for you to connect to each other as well as we've been doing this for a year now. So I guess we're going to keep doing it. Apparently may as well they stop us until they stop us. So, and that's for all tiers. So we have patron tiers as low as $4 a month, which is like, a, it's like a buck a week and you also get ad free episodes. So you can support us directly as opposed to Lexus and McDonald's and anchor. <laughs> all the beautiful places they're advertising. And probably Nord VPN as well. I'm sure there was probably a Nord oh, VPN gosh, in there somewhere. That is so funny. We got, I was listening on Google podcasts and we got a bunch of ads for Under the Banner of Heaven, which I'm really excited about. So I checked that, well, I put it on hold because it's popular again now, but I put it on hold at the library. I'm really excited to read it and to check out the show. Yeah. I feel like this is very on brand. Yeah. So we, we feel good like about murder that. murder and Christian adjacent people. <laughs> And uh, colonization. The Lord told me to murder my wife. Who are you to question that? I, I really can't. You can't? No. See? These are calls that, that Peter could be making for us. Mm-hmm. For as sure. As an apostle. Yes, as an apostle. That is who um, we would go to. Yeah. So those are some of the things coming out, uh, down the bend. Um, so we, we definitely appreciate our, the whole community of people. You know, patrons uh, for sure, but also just the random folks on Twitter and that delight us and also yeah, share our stuff. Share so many stories. Love it. So thank you very much. Um, so that's some of the stuff that's going, going down for a drinking game for this particular day. I think honestly, anytime Jesus acts like a good old comrade. Mm, yeah. You know, communist Jesus. Communist Jesus. Is that like a red flag with a white cross in the middle? I, you know, I, I feel like comrade jesus is aware enough to know that he doesn't want to wear a cross <laughs> like does, does not prefer like, to be I was, reminded i was executed bitch why are we yes. doing this yeah like maybe like a stone like the for my resurrection but a stone with wings <laughs> stone with wings rock with wings <laughs> Oh my God. I'm sorry. This it's a better, is, <laughs> this is such a for some reason I'm imagining a rock and then I thought like a potato with wings. <laughs> like, I don't know why, but wow. Okay. I don't know. Like my brain, your subconscious is really yeah. working hard. <laughs> well, I, cause I actually thought of like a, like a black and white drawing of a rock with wings. And then I thought that looks like a potato. So anyway, Fine potatoes. Yeah. Now you know. Uh, that was that was a free little trip into my brain. So anytime Jesus acts like a comrade, go ahead and just take yourself a little drink or do a push-up or drink water or whatever it is that you want to do. Whatever it is that you do. So we're, we were going to just look at a couple of different uh, teachings of Jesus. Not necessarily The ones that get one skipped story. over? Yeah, the ones that get are, skipped over. I mean, are they skipped over? Like, I really want to talk about this just mm-hmm. because like I, f- like, I feel like all of these stories were, were preached. They just the application just did not connect in any way to like yeah. the inherent exploitation of capitalism. Yeah. But there's it's a bit of a blind spot on that one. 
little bit. Do you want to do the persistent widow or the unjust judge first? That one. The unjust judge slash. Yeah. I mean, there's. That one feels most relevant to. This one was really, really. Mm, so obviously this one is making the rounds on Twitter today, today, this week, whatever time has no meaning to me. And I was, I was, I was kind of fascinated because this was not a thing that I really ever thought about. I mean, again, I think that like this was, it was taught to us as like, keep praying was basically how it was taught. And, and, and the setup for the parable is that like, I, I could see the evangelical response being like, this is about prayer, not about standing outside Brett Kavanaugh's house. But because the setup of the parable is like, Jesus taught his disciples this parable to show them how they should always pray and not give up. That's that's the first verse. It's almost as if Luke is preempting the anti-capitalist, the obvious anti-capitalist <laughs> message. But it's here's my counterpoint to that argument. The argument that this is about prayer is that Jesus always drew his examples and his parables from things that happened in his life and around him. So, and he, he makes no condemnation of this woman's behavior. Mm, you know, it is uh-huh. used as an example of like, if you can pressure an unjust judge to make a good judgment, certainly you can pressure God <laughs> to do the right thing. Which, which okay, which isn't that breaks down, but it does. But I, I think it, I think it also checks out if we're talking about comrade Jesus, right? If we're talking about white Republican Jesus, it's like, okay, this is going to get real sloppy real fast, but oh. So yeah, Jesus tells this parable. Um, this is in Luke 18. And he is just it says, in other places? Eh, I don't know that it is. I pulled it from Luke. Comrade Jesus mostly lives in Luke. Excellent observation. So just as in a certain town, there's a judge who didn't fear God, didn't care what people thought, just like whatever fuck all, I'll do what I want. And there was a widow in that town, you know, and, and widows, you know, for those of you that remember Sunday school, if you do, widows were not a very low social class in that time. And the town kept coming to him, you know, grant me justice against my adversary. So like, she's, she has enemies. <laughs> she has a shit list. <laughs> grant me justice against the people on my shit list. And he kept refusing and she made his life a living hell. Like she just kept bothering him. And then finally he's like, even though I don't, I don't give a shit, but this woman keeps bothering me. And so I'll see that she gets justice because eventually she might come and attack me. As as one does. As one does when attack God. Yeah. God and gets, so, <laughs> God's like shaking in his boots. Yeah. So like, <laughs> you know, Jesus lands it, like, listen to what the unjust judge says. And won't God bring about justice for his chosen ones? And or will he keep so like there is this understanding of Jesus understanding of the world as I see it through this parable is that like if you persist, even the worst person will do the right thing. That's really profound. Yeah, like you can count on selfish assholes to be selfish assholes. So mm-hmm. yeah, if you trample their lawn enough times, eventually they'll be like, I want a clean lawn. And right. the easiest More way, to, the, right? Yeah, exactly. The easiest way to get these people off my lawn is just to be like, whatever. I'll give them what they want. That is that is true. I I think it's like again theologically, this make this makes no sense to me. Like if you're actually setting aside, like we need to hassle judges who are unjust and don't listen to the people. Like theologically, it's just like okay, so Jesus. I mean, Jesus is literally saying like 
will not God bring about justice to his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? And I'm just like, apparently indigenous people and like enslaved people were not the chosen ones. So uh, who are we talking? And neither were Jews by this metric. So who are we talking? We're talking about white people. Is this white Jesus again? Like what is happening right now? Yeah. Well, the key word here is for his chosen ones. Oh, that's um, true. So. Oh, boo. We don't, we don't like uh, Calvinist communist Jesus. Yeah. So if we have the that's slightly Calvinist communist Jesus, he's less. Not a fan. Great. So not into it. But. But he he did, you know, I, I don't think he would have a problem. There's, there doesn't seem to be any indication that Jesus has a problem with this kind of behavior. He's actually mm-hmm. like, this mm-hmm. is a good thing to do. It's like, effective. This is an it's, effective like thing the argument. to do. To God. To, to God. <laughs> well, I think he's making the case that also, God is better than the unjust judge. He's also a selfish asshole who wants people off his lawn. <laughs> so yeah. that part tracks. That You know, that does. Like... Yeah, Jesus is setting it up that God is better than the unjust judge. But I wonder if Jesus is doing like a little like Freudian slip thing. It was like, yeah, okay, God's just like this unjust judge. <laughs> <laughs> My dad is kind um, of an asshole. You know, who hasn't said those words at some point? That's true. You know, and Jesus was human in all the ways that we are. Mm-hmm, so he mm-hmm. probably also did not like his father. Dad is a dick. So, yeah, and this one was never taught that way. It was just more like, you know, God's good. So pray, really pray, pray a lot. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you pray about it more, you'll get what you want. Clearly, the Bible clearly says. Yeah, the Bible clearly says. And I've prayed about some things an awful lot. And mm-hmm. I, I did not, in fact, get them. I was thinking about this earlier in the week because, you know, we did a we did family devotions every day. So we did a lot of praying, like many hours of praying. And I was thinking about the fact that I like, for some reason it came back to me that my mom like printed up a list of answered prayers and she posted it up on the wall in the kitchen on this little like push pin board. And I was thinking about like the amount of time we spent praying versus like the number of, cause it's, it's like, it's double spaced half a page, like one half of one page. I'm like, we spent so much time praying and like our, our whole like answered prayers list is like consists of things like it didn't rain on Sonia's wedding day. And I found my missing glove. (laughs) And I'm like, we did this for thousands of hours to find a glove. Like what? Like there was nothing spectacular. There was nothing life-changing. And like, you know, maybe God doesn't care about consistency. Like maybe God is not a drill sergeant. That would, I'd be fine with that. But, uh, if you're going to, if it's about putting in time, like we fucking put in the time and God did jack shit. I'm like, this is way under 50%. It, it is. It was, I remember being so confused by this. And even, even like when I'm a, I was a pastor being like puzzled by this because, and this is why evangelicalism doesn't make any sense because it's, it's Jesus paid it all. You don't have to do anything. But then it's like, but if you ever want your prayers answered, you got to do an awful lot of shit. So it's this like weird, like, yep, you don't have to do anything, but. But yes, you do. But yes, you do. (laughs) I mean, that's I think that that is a really good point. I mean, I think that you're absolutely right, because it's not just like praying. If you're praying for a thing and like you're not seeing any movement on it and you like go to somebody in your church, what are they going to tell you? Like they're going to tell you like examine yourself to see if you're like sitting somewhere they're going to tell you to fast they're going to tell you to repent like you have to do all of this like spiritual labor when it's just like nobody's listening 
Like, even if God exists, they are objectively not listening. Yeah, like... <laughs> Do not give a fuck. Yeah, I think, wasn't it Richard Dawkins that had the, like, challenge in one of his books to Christians about, like, instead of praying to God, pray to a milk jug for a week and see if there's any difference? I don't know who that was, but I agree. Just pray, I agree. To, a, pray to a milk jug and see if see there's any... See how it any shakes objective. out. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe... <laughs> Maybe I should do that for fun. You know, what we could do is on Discord, I feel like we could have we milk. could all we could all pray to different objects and then come back and report like which one has like the best ROI, yeah. I guess. Return on investment. <laughs> I feel like the ironing board really does a lot of work for you. Really is yeah, really pulling its weight here. I don't know. I'm sorry, that was ridiculous. But it is it's confusing. Yeah, it is definitely confusing any more on this parable before we move to one so. of, before we move to one of my favorites it's weird oh i'm yeah. excited about this oh, yeah so one of my favorites i've mentioned it before we didn't really go into it it's also in luke luke 16 the parable of the shrewd manager and oh boy i like it i like it because i you rarely ever hear a sermon on this one because especially in in the context of evangelicalism and capitalism there's there's nothing to do with this one so I, I will paraphrase it. So Jesus tells his disciples, like he's just like sitting around with them. And he's telling the story about this rich man whose manager was basically accused of not being very good at their job, like wasting his wealth. And so like, you know, he gets called into the office. Like you can just imagine this and, you know, give an account for your management. You know, you can't be able to work for me any longer if you don't like straighten your shit up. So like this manager tells him, he's like, well, what am I going to do now? I'm going to, I'm basically, I'm going to get fired and I can't do manual labor and I really can't beg. So I'm going to set, basically I'm going to set myself up to have a job when I get fired. <laughs> like, <laughs> so when I lose my job, people will welcome me into their houses. That's what it says. So he called each of his master's debtors, all the people that owed the guy a debt. And he'd say, how much do you owe? And they'd say, oh, nine, 900 gallons of oil. They said, uh, that's so much oil. yeah, that's Sorry. Oil. so the manager said, Take your bill and make it 450. We're just gonna love when gonna, you can just write down your own bill, yeah, <laughs> just hand it back. We're just gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna forgive you that much. And then he would just do this with like a thousand bushels of wheat, uh, make that 800. <laughs> like, like, so he's just doing basically people of the town favors and his manager, and his you know, master, his boss, whatever his name, and so, but then the master commends this dishonest manager because like, he's like, basically like you tricked me and you're kind of a bastard, but I also kind well, of like every, it. Everyone likes me now more. Like everybody's treating me better and like wants to work with me. Like you made it, it was good PR. Like it was a PR stunt. Right. And it worked. It worked out for both of them. Sort of Joe and, Biden. Are you listening? Yes. <laughs> Be sly. Be sly. <laughs> You know, like, but then this is like from the words of Jesus. This is for the people yeah. of the world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. That makes no sense. No sense. <laughs> what are you talking about? And then like, yeah, Jesus whoever... drinking yes. while he was telling this story. Yeah. yeah. But then like, it's funny. It's like use worldly wealth to gain friends. And then like, 
two verses later, he's like, no one can serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other. And like, you can't serve both God and money. So it's this like weird, like use worldly wealth to get shit done. Even if it's maybe a little dishonest, I don't know. Like cheat the bosses is what I'm hearing. Okay. I like that. I like Like, that interpretation a lot. Yes. Very good for that. You know, so, but so that you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Like Jesus, what are you on right now? Like that makes no sense. If you have friends, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwell. That's in nobody's theology. Like nobody preaches that. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, and so like whoever is trusted with very with very little can be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. But the guy was dishonest with an awful lot and got more. So like it Jesus doesn't... is just like <laughs> really contradicting himself. Yeah, and if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Like uh, like it doesn't it doesn't track with the parable that we just read. Nothing just heard. makes sense. Nothing makes sense. I'm gonna go ahead and say Jesus was drunk when he was telling this one. Or whoever told the story to Luke had been drinking and was just rambling. Those are my guesses. So, but apparently he was telling the story, like it starts, he starts telling his disciples the story, but apparently the Pharisees kind of overheard him and, you know, they got pissed off, which I'm fine with. So yeah, Jesus seems to be saying to fuck over the bosses. All right. Well, that is, that is a communist Jesus that I can, that I can get behind. Yeah. Doing the people's work. Doing the people's work, of, reducing people's debts, of reducing people's behind debts. the master's back. Some some aide somewhere in the White House uh-huh. just needs to like put up a like a boilerplate like executive order, hide it in the Joe Biden documents that he signs every morning. Put it in the file. Put it in the file, <laughs> and let's get this shit done. Because oh, once it's out there and the press covers it, like he ain't gonna backtrack. No, he's gonna be like, "This makes me look so good." I think this is really what we need to happen. He just, he's just, he's just not smart enough to do it himself. Yeah. So someone needs to do it for us. Some, some comrade in the white house <laughs> needs to do the people's work here. According to Jesus, by the way, we didn't make this up. This yeah, is forgiveness of debts, at least half, if 50% not more. or more. So yeah, so I just, it's a weird parable that like you'd never, I never heard really anyone ever preach or teach or even mention honestly this one nothing makes sense yeah i i did always like i i would say this to other christians and i remember teaching on this too you know the the where jesus talks about like you know his followers need to be as as wise or as shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves i feel like there's a lot of christians that are very good at being innocent as doves when i say that i mean like kind of stupid in the sense of like you know like politicians can just do whatever they want but as long as they're pro-life or whatever you know it's like this this like dull innocence in some ways Ah, uh, i see yeah, yeah yeah but they're not shrewd as serpents in the sense of like be a little These people are screwing you over be, yeah yeah like read between the lines here you're getting screwed over and and comrade jesus is definitely like pre-sly i would agree with that i would agree with that like this is this is like this is weird though because i also feel i also feel like this this particular jesus could be part of like hustle culture uh, also <laughs> you know? true. Fair. so i was Fair. like is is jesus like a finance bro or is he like so and like he goes so many Eastern different directions crypto. right he goes so many different directions with this shit that is just like, I don't know. I like, it's hard to make heads or tails of this particular. I mean, it definitely is fascinating, but then at the end he takes like this hard left. It's also a hard right. And then I get lost. 
very lost. I really need Jesus to come back just so that I can ask him. Like, what? I'm like, I don't want to go anywhere with you because that sounds awful. But like, what were you talking about? Yeah. Like, what? What? What is actually happening here? Yeah. It doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense. But you know, it's that's that's the Bible, and it's okay if it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So I again, I just find some of these like, why? Like, this is in the book that supposedly we say is great, but um, no one ever talked about it. Anything else on this one? think so i think that that was i think that that was like i think you really covered that i think that that was some interesting yeah the bible is just weird the bible is just so incredibly weird and i don't know what to do with it once again which is why i drink yes do you have others that you want to talk about well i i do want to just say like just generally i think that because of the way we were raised we we miss a lot of this like protesty comrade jesus yeah. Because once mm-hmm. you kind of see it, you can see it other places too. Like places where Jesus says, if someone sues you for your cloak, mm-hmm. give them mm-hmm. your robe as well. Which we think like, oh, they must have just had two clothes, pieces of clothes. But what he's well, really saying well, is like right. strip naked in front of them and subversively show them the ridiculousness of suing you for everything you have. Like almost embarrass them for trying to collect debts from you. When have you ever heard that in a... I have not. You know, or if if a soldier asks you to carry his bags for a mile. Which is totally a unit of the other, they used back then. Yeah. You know, go another mile as well. Which, you know, that has turned... That got co-opted by the Protestant work ethic of, you know, going the extra mile. You know, b- being a good, good worker for the... For the, for the man. For the... For the right. The for empire. The, the empire. But Roman soldiers could get in trouble for like whatever the unit of measurement was like they were only allowed to coerce people to do so much and then you were like crossing the line yeah rome was rome was good about measurements they're like you that is true soldiers you can coerce people but you can only coerce them so much there is a hard stop there is a hard stop so like you create a situation where the soldier has to tell you to stop which in some ways creates the situation where they have to realize that what they were asking you to do was not okay this is so yeah like this sub like the subversive inverting of the power dynamic right in ways that like that i don't know how they were perceived at the time but like in retrospect feel kind of radical in in a culture that's so uh given to like respectability politics right and civility yeah and and he's teaching he's doing nonviolent resistance. I mean, this is the same thing Martin Luther King did. It's like sitting down with people and explaining this is how you do nonviolent resistance. And, and this is exactly in those instances and others, that's exactly what Jesus is doing. This, this is how you live as an oppressed person in an oppressive empire. And this is, this is at least how he perceived. This is how God would want you to act is to be subversive. These people are, are unjust judges and you're not going to change hearts and minds necessarily you know, and having a revolution that kills every where you take up the sword, that's not going to work either. This right. is Rome. They do not fuck around. <laughs> like people have tried. People have tried. No. So you got to embarrass them into doing the right thing. Yeah. You have to shame them into it, which is pretty. I'd never heard anybody preach that. I had a guy get in my face for even implying it. And I'm like, this is in the text. <laughs> right. Like he got old, man. He was so mad. It's like, yeah, this, you know, Jesus, comrade, comrade Jesus is real, folks. 
<laughs> That's, that'd be a good t-shirt. Comrade Jesus is real. <laughs> oh, that'd be so cute. We should make that. It should be part of our merch. It's merch we keep talking about. That's not going to come next month, folks. That will come at some point. This okay. is how ADHD brains work. Something will come at some point, and then we'll come next month, and then we'll actually come. And you will be grateful. And you, you'll be, you will love it. <laughs> so, yeah, I just think that there is there is more there. And I, I hesitate to have this attitude with the Bible that's like, oh, throw the whole thing out or you know, destroy it. And if that's, if that's therapeutic for you, go for it. But if you've listened this long, like, I I think there are very interesting subversive things in there that we, I think could be used because an an unintentional theme of this episode in some ways has been like, how do you actually get justice done? Right. What are ways that are effective and don't cause harm? Like aren't, aren't, aren't using violence, I guess. Yeah. Because, you know, you can scare white people and say they're white supremacists all all day long if you want. But having been a white person, that probably is not going to be very effective. Where it's going to be the percentages of white people that will actually change, it's going to be less and less. So how can you be subversive? How can you sneak those ideas in? Because that is how I changed. I would not have changed if things wouldn't have snuck in and worked on me. And that sucks for me to admit. Like, I think I think, and honestly, I think a lot of newly woke, I'll, I'll use that word, newly woke white people think they did it. Like I did this, my family, they're such assholes and idiots. They have all the data and I figured it out. And and maybe you did good for you. But uh, for a lot of us, it's because stuff worked on us long enough and we eventually realized what was going on. And there are probably thousands of other people that 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 was not the case. And so I think there is a certain amount of not not luck. I don't want to attribute it all to luck because I don't want to also minimize the fact that I made intentional choices, but it's also like, there's a lot of nervous system work that goes on. And some people are so far gone. Like, I don't know that Brett Kavanaugh is going to sit down and like be reasoned with, but I can make life hell and, and you can get justice that way too. You know, those are legitimate paths, at least in comrade Jesus's view to get justice. So yes, that, that's my thought. I'll, I'll let you finish. And then we'll, uh, I feel like, yeah, I, I mean, I think I'm always like to, I think what you, you know, to your point, it's like when you are, when you are up against empire, like, yeah, like using their methods does not work. Right. And, you know, I think that you have, you do have to be subversive and, you know, on Andre Henry always talks about, what did he, what did he call it? Militant nonviolence. In, in like having a strategy to what you're doing, right? And, and, and showing up in spaces and in ways that are actually disruptive, but again, like aren't causing harm or at least, you know, harm that, harm that. It's like, we want people to be annoyed, right? Like with the woman and the judge, it's like, we just want you to be irritated until you're so worn down that you're like, oh, okay, I guess you can have your rights back. Nonviolent annoyance. Hey. <laughs> Which I mean, think about when you were a little kid and your like siblings are harassing you. Like that shit works, man. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my thoughts. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, if you're gonna cast Comrade Jesus. Ooh, wait, Comrade Jesus. Okay. This is like I just imagined him wearing like a cute little beret. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is this is very this is very cute. Oh my gosh, why can't I? Okay, hold on. 
I need to think of this. I don't know why I'm going this direction, but I am. And I cannot remember this person's name. Um, 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 I'm going to find it though. Well, while you're looking for that, I'll give mine. Cause I, I just thought of this. I was thinking David Harbour who played Jim Hopper in stranger things, the sheriff. And he was also in also in black widow. I, I think it was only just because of the Russian accent, but it's just like this, <laughs> Like this big, like bearded, kind of very comrade-looking guy. That's kind of who I'm thinking of for, for comrade Jesus. That's really funny. Okay, the person that I was thinking of was Jason Schwartzman because I feel like he could pull off the like beardy comrade look as well. Oh yeah, yeah totally. Like the yeah, like like very, very different comrade feels, you know. Yeah, but I totally think he could pull it off. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, so that, that's a good casting for comrade jesus i like it well thanks everybody for hanging up hanging out with us and hanging with us and comrade jesus mm-hmm. if you would again if you'd like to support us patreon.com slash go home bible you can check that out you can fund our fund our pilgrimage to <laughs> antonin scalia's grave <laughs> as well as get on discord and a couple other uh, cool stuff that we have going on over there you can follow us on twitter and instagram at go home bible you can also follow me on twitter justin d gentry or tori at tori glass anything else tori you want to say I think, I think we got it handled sounds good don't forget to give us a five-star review on all the things share with a friend uh, but more importantly uh, have a good week take care of yourself drink some water and uh, yeah. we'll see you around Eight. Bye. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.